Well, hello, folks. Debs and I are back from the dining car. I have a nice big mug of tea, and I think you have as well, do you, darling? I certainly do. I'm Ooh. on the herbal, 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 girl. Oh, yeah. no, I got caffeine. <laughs> I'm caffeinated. <laughs> um, when we were doing some research for this, uh, no. like you, I went down my rabbit holes. Um, I looked at vulnerability in recovery, which is where we are. We're in recovery. Um, we're not sick. Um, we haven't got a disease. I'm sorry, folks. I haven't got a disease. I had a I very agree. bad. I had a very bad habit. Smoking isn't a disease. It's a very bad habit, and I have recovered from smoking. So I'm recovering from alcohol. But I digress. This one says there are six reasons why being vulnerable in recovery can benefit you. But first, I'll read this, that uh, many definitions of the word vulnerability abound, but the best one for this purpose would be to say that it's about being open emotionally and intellectually. People can have all types of mental defenses that they use to protect themselves from potential threats. For example, arrogance can be used to hide the fact that the person is dealing with low self-esteem. The inner walls of protection may protect the ego, but it can also mean that you are so closed that you become trapped in, a, in conditions such as addiction. That is um, the, ma the mask we all put on that we hide behind in addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And we it's to hide from the emotions of life. And it, it, the amount of people, I mean... Mine was um, fear, stress, whatever emotion you want to put on it. I could probably list them. But in some ways, they were all, to my thinking now, now where, where I am in my sobriety now, to my thinking, they were my excuse for not facing life. Mm. Yeah. Um, because emotions are raw, like we've said, you know, and when you open your, yourself up to being vulnerable, you're showing your emotions and yourself to everybody else. These six reasons, number one is if you become, in order to be able to help yourself in recovery, you need to become vulnerable so that you can, that, uh, so that others can help you. Here we go with the empathy, <coughs> the empathy thing again, because some people, like you say, you struggle with asking for help. Mm -hmm. Why? Up until I, I'm thinking that you're thinking on that one has changed now with the way this journey is going. But did you prior to this think that you asking for help meant that you, um, you weren't, you weren't good enough or you, um, you were weak? Um, you know, God love her and bless her soul, my mother. She was just a tough character. If I came home with, like, if I, got, I got picked on at school a lot because I changed schools a lot. Mm -hmm. And if I come home and said, Mum, you know, someone was bullying me, she said, well, get your butt back out there and go kick their ass. There was no empathy ever from my mother. She taught me how to be tough. But having, say, having said that, I was a very nervous sort of 
insecure, neurotic kid. There was no reason back in Wales at the start for the first five years of my life why I should have felt that way, which is interesting. There was just an inbuilt anxiety. And some people may be able to relate to that. But my mother, I think, knew that she had to condition me to be tough. Otherwise, I was going to get crushed in this world. Like if someone picked on me at school, I'd just cry. I didn't know what to do, so I cried. I couldn't stick up for myself. And then getting into high school, I went completely the opposite. Do you know what I mean? I threw an egg at a guy. I was fighting people and, and people said, don't go near her. She'll clobber you. And this is so yeah, that... one extreme to the uh, typical addict. <laughs> one extreme to the other. <laughs> but it's there you were with what we were just talking about with the definition of the vulnerability is you put up the walls to protect yourself because if you'd have if people probably not within your hearing, I mean we've done it ourselves, would have turned around and said, Oh, look at her, she's a sensitive child. Which makes you a target unfairly um that's human nature because we yeah yeah and we can't yeah, change pick that. On. Yeah, yeah yeah no i get that, I get um, that. and putting up the walls were to protect your sensitivity unfortunately mm. the wall stayed up a long time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it affected um we talk about relationships and i think a lot of people can relate to this i've had people say to me deb we can just never, ever, ever really, really get close to you. So then I'd let him in 75% and the doors would slam down and that was it. You weren't getting any further. And that was my protective mode. But it's a lonely place. Um, it, it can be a lonely place because you I think cannot not, be open. Well, you're not experiencing that that true, deep, deep relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like the Closed off. fullest. To, to its fullest, yeah. you know, it was on my terms all the time um, and that's when the control came, sort of control came into the relationships. Like I'd give, I'd be, I'd give so much, enough. <laughs> you know, then we go back but, to the control thing again, maintaining was, that control. Because I didn't um, want to get hurt. That's it. Um, I was going to hurt you before you hurt me. Tip for tap. And I've actually had this conversation this morning about tip for tap. It sounds terrible. I sound like an absolute asshole. No, no, no. I no, no, was no, really nice. No, no it's not. It, you, you're probably the same as a lot of people. Well, no, probably about it. You are the same as a lot of people. And, I mean, when people start looking and really realizing things, they think, Jesus Christ, I'm a normal person. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I have feelings. Uh, like everybody else, I get hurt like everybody else. It's all right to be hurt. But the tit for tat thing, I did have this conversation this morning. Um, well, someone said about it and I gave a response because the one thing I always told my, my sons, don't ever engage in tit for tat. Tit for tat mm, doesn't mm, work. Mm, yeah. All tit for tat does is escalate a bad situation into a shit storm in a way. Yeah. Be the bigger person and walk away. Diffuse the situation mm. by leaving it. Yeah, I learned that. Thank God in time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the old pause. You know, mm. it, it's, it's being proactive instead of reactive. It's a harsh thing. It's a hard thing to learn because the, the human reaction is, oh, 
punch your lights out. <laughs> you know? Well, my mum told it's... me to. <laughs> <laughs> mum said it's all right. I can do it. <laughs> she, I know she was. Oh, she was a dear. She was um. She was a, a feisty little Welsh woman. Yeah. But if you look, that's a different generation. It's the way they were brought up. So, in defence yeah. of your mom, that's yeah. No, you know, it was a tough life. Oh, my yeah, mom had it. a tough life. My mom used to get smacked around the head by her dad. Oh, Nowadays, my mum was a devil. Mum was mum was mum was cheeky as hell. Yeah. My dad was my grandfather on my mother's side was a, a drunken old Irishman, and I'm sorry to all Irishmen. I'm not labelling you all the same. This was just <laughs> my grandfather. Irishman, no. <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> um, but, sorry. you know, with a name like, I mean, bless his name. His name was Cornelius. And, um, yeah, he probably took a lot of stick for that as well, which is probably why, that's probably why he was very, very. Um, they had funny names in those days, yeah. darling. Um, and he, you know, uh, that was the way they, they did things. There's nothing. Yes. yes you know, yeah, we, yeah. We, we're defending um, what we went through, but in actual fact, what we went through is the way life was at that time. They were in post, war mode, darling. <laughs> post, <laughs> yeah, war. post-war, <laughs> yeah, people were still exactly. struggling, um, yeah. you know, trying to find... Depression, all that. Yeah, yeah trying yeah. to find their way. So, I mean, there are reasons, and yeah, I'm not making were, excuses. So times were tough. Yeah, they were yes. tough. You're right. My mom, my dad was in the service. My dad was in the army. So, like you, we travelled around a lot, so... Every mm-hmm. time you just settled in a place and made a friend, boom, off yeah. you go. Yeah. So connections were hard for me. Mm. Um, I didn't really make connections and there were no letter writings mm. to people afterwards, this, that and the other. But that's beside the point. And I was I was a crybaby. I was little, or as my mom used to say, I was a little titty baby. She used to turn around and say, oh, for Christ's sake, don't be such a titty baby. You know, so little. <laughs> oh, well, you, maybe they know each other, yours and mine. <laughs> I told you about the story once when I'd cry in a movie. I think your mum and my mum were probably best mates at some point. <laughs> no, I told you that. And I can remember crying in the movie and when I was about six and mum turned around and said to me, what are you crying for? There's cameraman there. It's just a movie, for God's she sake. Would, she would just snap me out of any situation that I was sensitive in. It was, and it was actually good for me in the end. I've got to say, because she taught me how to take on the world, and I did. Mm-hmm. I yeah. did. I got out there and did it. Yeah, they they did the best with the resources they had. And, it was tough life, know, darling. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mom brought me up differently to how her mom and dad brought her up, and then I've done the same with mine, and now my children are doing the same with theirs. You know, it's all each generation does it differently, and that's hum- That's that's life. You know, um, number two on this list, as we said, number one was once you admit your vulnerability, it means you can ask for help. You know, this hurts. I need help, etc. You know, um, how do I get past this? Who do I talk to, etc. Putting your hand up and asking for help is your first, the first real thing you can do in recovery. But it also means that once you admit these things, that you can start to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you and I know, helping ourselves meant getting into I am sober, <clears throat> delving into quitlet, listening to other people and how they did it. Um, no longer having to put on that tough act 
able to take the armor off, take the mask off and be yourself. Take, like yeah. I said, at the knock the house down, start <clears throat> from the foundations and just start building up a strong structure. It's funny you say that, you know, because when I started out, and this is how I approached it, and anyone's welcome to do this, it may help, it may not. Mm-hmm. I approached it like there was two Debs. There was the sober Deb I aspired to be, and then there was the drunken Deb that was trying to be sober. And I taught myself, I said to myself, okay, you're going to be two things to yourself, Deb. You're going to be your best friend and you're going to be your own coach. And so what I did, I thought, how would you go through this with like holding your best, best friend's hand? And mm-hmm. this is how I've approached it. I really have. So then again, I would treat my best friend with kindness. I treat my best friend with understanding, with empathy. Do you know what I mean? All Mm -hmm. the tools, all these things. And I really have, I had to separate the two because I didn't want to deal with drunk Deb. She didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve it. Just thinking, you know, you've made your bed, you're goddamn lying. And mum used to say that too. Oh, yeah. So having to just, again, be vulnerable to this. And it's like I said to Karina about the child in me. I still haven't got quite that far yet. I'm working on that, but it's that's that's way down there. Um, you know, you've got to – and then I was coaching myself through it, just like the Olympics, just like anything where you want to be the best at what you can be. And that mm-hmm. was my goal when I set out, to be the best version of myself and the healthiest. <laughs> so much for the healthiest. <laughs> but the, the expression, progress, not perfection. So, I mean, Correct. things happen in mm-hmm. their own time. And it's like everything yeah. in life, things, there's, there's a time and a, uh, for everything that happens within our lives. I'm a great believer in that more so now than ever that you know the stars align or whatever you want to say there are spiritual people amongst us that truly believe these things and i i do believe that at some point everything comes together and coalesces into the place you need to be Mm -hmm. um and you saying that you you took your own hand and you encouraged yourself you loved yourself you were you opened yourself up to yourself you became your own best friend like you said Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you had empathy for yourself when you were afraid you talked yourself through it and Mm -hmm. I think that's that is huge because that is accepting who you are this is me Mm. warts and all Oh, yeah, there were parts I didn't like. Yeah, Yeah. it's funny because my best friend always says to me, Deb, you've never been in denial. You always tell us everything that's wrong with you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the first to admit it. (laughs) There's different kinds of denial, though. I mean, Uh, we were in denial when we were drinking because we didn't think we had a problem. Oh, Oh, yeah, that part was, yeah. That was the one thing that I was never honest. Well, I I knew it. I'm with Joe and say, oh, yeah, I know I drink too much. But I never said, oh, shit, I'm in deep shit. How do I get out of this <laughs> to yeah. anybody? And, again, mm-hmm. it gets back to I didn't reach out. Mm-hmm. I, I just I was too stubborn, and I know it now. That's one of my faults. I was too damn stubborn to reach out, and I thought, I can, you know, when I'm ready, I'll conquer this. <laughs> there we go. Oh, we go Lord. back to um, arrogance. It's oh, used to yeah. hide. When I was ready on my terms, I'll, do, I'll deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three, because well, like we say, you, you can start helping yourself. And how we helped ourselves was I am sober has been my hu- my biggest tool. 
and oh, the absolutely. connections the connections I've made with uh, people who I can be vulnerable with, who mm. understand the sober journey. People I can relate to, like you say, um, people that you can become friends with. There are different people at diff- different stages of their sobriety have all got mm-hmm. something to offer you. Absolutely. It's just magnificent. Yeah. Um, we're no longer in denial. So oh, when God you're knows. no longer in de- denial, you are vulnerable. Um, but there's nothing wrong with vulnerability. You know, it, it, it's a healthy fear. It's a bloody great thing if you think about it because you do get the friendships, you do get the communication, you get the understanding. This You can't lose. When you open the door, you can't, re- you can't lose, just like you can't lose with your connections on IAS mm-hmm. because Correct. they get it. They just get it. This is the best part about it, and it's like with the groups we're in, um, the sharing of conversations, the laughs, mm. the jokes, the seriousness oh, yeah. is there as well. When one person is struggling with something, there's someone there right. ready to hold yeah. their hand and guide them through. So you becoming friends with yourself, you've now got so many other friends. You've only got two hands, so I don't know how you're going to do it. But, you know, there's a lot of people holding your hand. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing, too, I've never cried with strangers either. <laughs> I've, I've never cried with strangers, the people I've never met. Mm-hmm. How weird is that? I never thought seven months ago that would happen, but it has happened. I've laughed, I've cried, I've shared more emotions, mm-hmm. and they're true, honest emotions, but they make you feel good at the end of the day. I have felt so happy sometimes. I know you like, want to burst. Yeah, I know. I've cried because yeah. how else am I going to get all this out? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh no! There we are. It's almost like you don't know what to do with yourself. It's like being a little two-year-old kid that gets something fabulous for Christmas. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, so excited! And every day is Christmas Day when you're sober. Yeah, because yeah, it it's a delight. It's an absolute delight. It's a joy yeah. to wake up sober. So we go to number three. We've admitted that we need help. You know, we can't do this alone. And we've, we're learning to accept help. These are two things that are paramount in recovery, admitting you need help and accepting it. <coughs> the next one is love. Um, I heard one that said to be extremely vulnerable where love is concerned is to have the courage to be the first one in a relationship to say, I love you. It is totally vulnerable. You're really opening yourself up. And when you can't be, you, when you can't allow yourself to be vulnerable in love, you're just putting up more barriers. Mm. Here we go back to yours with the trust. Mm-hmm because you're not willing to risk being hurt. But here's one for you. You can't go through life without being hurt. No, that's exactly right. And in the end, once you're in it, in a relationship, you're in it, and you can't really fight a lot of the natural feelings. Mm-hmm. People get attached whether they like it or not. And one day you wake up and go, oh, crap, all right. You know, they're all right or whatever you think. And you're in it. You're just in it. It develops, you know. Yeah, and also um, 
when you're not fully in it because you're trying to protect yourself from the pain of hurt, then you don't experience the full potential of that relationship and what it could be. No, you begin to self-destruct the relationship. It's easy. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, look at us with our friendships within our groups. We've, we're all vulnerable in there. Yeah, and absolutely. We embrace those um, friendships mm-hmm. fully. Yep, no judgment, because, no nothing. Yeah, that's it. Um, after love comes happiness we've talked about happiness and how happy we feel Mm. and it's the same kind of thing with the love you and you've got to be open to every emotion Mm. because you can't pick and choose your emotions because on any given day you can feel anything one of the things that we see within the um, sober community is how vulnerable people become when they allow themselves to disconnect Mm. and also when they get very, very tired, the self-care doesn't take place. You become vulnerable to the thoughts. The old ways start creeping in. We had one a couple of days ago and she hadn't been able to do any self-care or she hadn't, I know as women, we get, get, we feel guilty when we take half an hour for ourselves sometimes that we should be doing this and we should be doing that. And it's learning to say, no, I'm not, I'm going to take half an hour. I'm just going to sit for half an hour Mm. with a cup of tea and do nothing. That is self-care. And when you do that, you give your brain a chance to switch off. You give yourself a chance to relax because when you when you can't relax when you can't allow your brain to switch off it's going 90 miles an hour happiness goes out the flipping window Mm. you you can't put a happy thought in there no and you can't function on exhaustion no and sometimes like we say we've laughed we've cried Mm. we've empathized with other people Mm -hmm. um i've been happy i've been sad because and I've got a friend, we always say there's a yin and a yang to everything. There's, everything has an opposite. And some people view vulnerability, um, the old way was to view vulnerability as a negative emotion. <clears throat> vulnerability is an extremely positive emotion. Because and I hope without, that we're conveying that. Yeah, I hope we're yeah, conveying that today. It, it, it's, it's a light emotion because the one thing we said way back in, in uh, the start of this was, When you become vulnerable, you open yourself up. You take yourself, you know, you let the light in practically. So if you let in the light in, it's a light emotion. It's a positive emotion. Because when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, asking for help is a positive thing. Admitting you need help is a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. Being, being, um, standing there and thinking, no, I'm not asking for help. That means I'm weak. That is a dark emotion. That's, you know, that's one of the dark emotions, just not acknowledging that you need help with someone, with something. Um, Those can be dark emotions, can't they? Negative emotions. Um, There are so many emotions we've, we've run the gamut of, especially between our group. 
We've got fear. We've got grief. We've got uncertainty. But then you've got the opposites of them. You've got birth. You've got love. You've got uh, belonging. And belonging is huge because we belong to each other. We belong to ourselves more than anything, ourself. We belong to ourself. And I think I'm dominating this conversation. I'm not letting you have anything to say, am I? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're doing fine. <laughs> and I think when we acknowledge ourselves, then we've got it to give to others. Mm-hmm. It's so right. You know, it's, it's so true. And the belonging, I'm glad you brought that up because there are a lot of people who either may live alone or don't have mm-hmm a huge amount of connections with COVID and lockdown and being isolated. And again, isolation and loneliness, I truly believe are detrimental to your health. It's not normal for human beings to not want to be with someone. Even if you've just got one friend, it's better than being alone. And I think of the fear too in a lot of relationships is that you know, you don't want to be out there vulnerable on your own if you really want to leave your partner, but you just can't make the move. Mm-hmm. Um, fear and vulnerability and probably kids and a few other things play a huge part. And you don't know what somebody's walking walking through or going through. You just don't. Did, um, everybody's did, situation is different. They did that campaign not long ago, didn't they, about um, not everybody's disability is visible. That's right. You know. That's exactly right. Not everybody's disability is visible. And um, <clears throat> the what you were saying and what came to mind when you were just talking then was um, the one thing we keep saying within the sober community is connection. Connection mm-hmm. is the opposite of isolation and connection is the opposite of addiction. Yep. So to come out of both isolation and addiction because addiction isolates you you have to make the connections um and the connections here we go folks the connections are not going to come to you you have got to get off your right royal ass and go Mm -hmm. and find them yeah if you truly want this you're going to have to get off your butt and do some homework Uh, and not sit there going woe is me i'm I'm not very good with people who sit there and say, woe is me. Yeah, look, it's okay for a bit. It's okay for a bit, but you can't. I'm a one, two, three strike, you know, you're out, girl. Mm -hmm. I'll listen to you complain once, maybe twice, but the third time, if you're not doing something about it, I don't want to hear about it again because all I am, you know, it's just you're wasting your breath when you could be doing something really positive at this very moment, but you're not. Do you know what I mean? And the belonging and, and just being part of this community is so damn important, having somewhere to go. What we've seen, and, it, and it's been it's happened time and time again, is people who come into the Zooms who have not been for a while, and it happened to me on Saturday, they said, oh, my God, it's so good to be back. Because yeah. the addiction wants you isolated. It wants you back for itself. This is what I've learned. And I said to you the other day, we are always vulnerable to addiction. It never goes away. It never will. And that is one thing I have learned in these last seven months, that I have to be on guard. I have to keep working. I have to be aware. And I have to stay connected. 
And it's like a drifter always says, you build those, you've got those neural pathways. Yep. And you build that pathway, your addictive pathway. It's there. That highway is there. Yep. But it's up to you. You have to do this work. It's up to you to build the new pathway. It, the other one is never going to go away. Like you say, it's always going to be there. It's going to be knocking on your door the whole damn time. Yep. Uh, but it's how you deal with it mm-hmm. and how much you um, – one thing that – excuse my French, folks. One thing that pisses me off. That was gentle. When you, yeah, <laughs> when you go to day zero and someone like, well, I was laying on the couch and I was bored, <laughs> so I drank. What the – Mother, Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't be laughing, but you see the same people over and over. And God love them, they keep trying. But some people use the platform for different reasons. Like, yeah. <laughs> I should. So there we go. My empathy went out the window. Then, didn't it? <laughs> it did for those who oh, were come on, so Polly. Hard. Where's your empathy? They were bored. Oh, for crying out loud. So, Are you an adult? Just, yeah. Can you yeah, not find <laughs> something? Go and bake a batch of cookies. Go for a walk. You know, go do some jumping jacks, whatever. There is no reason. <laughs> just laughing at you, not at half anybody else, but you crack me up. <laughs> go bake some cookies. Oh, my God. They come in a packet, for God's sake. Bake them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... Take, just go to the shopping mall and wander around. You know, the, the money you were going to spend on a bottle of wine, buy yourself a nice coffee. Go you make know, some things in the supermarket. That's it. You'd be surprised who you're meeting Walmart. Especially <laughs> <laughs> when you've got rollers in your hair. Oh my God, yes. Put your rollers in and your slippers on, girls. Get into Walmart. You don't oh, know, you never know who you'll meet. But oh. anyway, <laughs> back on track. Yeah, okay. no, you, you're right. You're right, though, about this whole look. And there are some people. I don't know about you, but I've had people in my life. God bless them. They weren't there for a long time, though. That just sucked the freaking life out of me. Mm. All they do was complain, a whinge, and complain a whinge. And everyone's allowed a whinge. Don't get me wrong. But when it's endless, like how I eat today, oh, not good. And I think, oh shit, there goes another hour. And mm. they haven't even asked how the hell you're doing. I think you're in the wrong friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not being funny, but uh, nowadays I haven't got the time, you know. <laughs> I think that's a, like you just Australia said, that's an hour of my life I've just wasted. You <laughs> know, know this is horrible. I, we sound awful, but when we're not we awful do. people, we're real. This is how we all feel yeah, at times. And especially in our sobriety, your time is so valuable. I'm thinking, hey, I could be reading up on what this is it. Sober town. What's that? That's it. I could, be going for a, I could be going for a walk instead of getting bored laying on the sofa, you know. I could pick up a book. It's I called reading. Because I used to be Whitlet. the sofa girl with the drink. And oh, I oh my gosh. Cookies. Thank you, ma'am. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> I think we need to. I, gotta, yeah, I think we need to spend oh, a penny or something here. But anyway, we'll take audience. a quick break. We will be back in a minute, folks, when we have ourselves <laughs> under control. And I'm sure this part of the podcast may not make it. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, it's raw and it's real. So it's we'll be back in a minute. Real, oh, God. 